Oh. Dude, that breakfast burrito was just... It was so good. <laughs> so good. I... Breakfast burritos! Dude. Where do, it was that place, like, right across from, like... The Green Sage, yeah, right, right across, across from, from OG. OG, okay, yeah. yeah. So, I went there with Jeff once and got coffee. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was pretty good. Not bad. I think I'm going to get a coffee tomorrow. I made myself a cup of coffee in my room, and instead, I only got one K-cup left. So, I'm like, uh, what am I going to do? I think I'm going to go get a... Dunkin'? I think I'm going to go to Starbucks tomorrow, but if you want to come with, you're you're definitely welcome. No, I, I, I definitely... That's a good way of... Starbucks. Good to start the day, yeah. Yeah, because I've got a Starbucks gift card from the poli side chair Romulus. Oh, oh yeah. For all the work that we Devin and I did, she has each a fifteen dollars Starbucks gift card. I'm like, wow, thanks. So yeah. coffee on Moranwes. Shit, yeah, there Shout you out go. Ashley. Yeah, for real. Um Hello Universe and and, and welcome to everyone that lives in it that has chosen to listen to yet another episode of, of Vibe Time. Um, I'm Nong, I'm your host, um, and today I am joined once again uh, by my very good friend, uh, Garrett. Uh, hello, 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 hello. And, to, and today, um, last time he was here, we kind of had a, 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 a really kind of really good look at, at our anxieties and and our, uh, we talked about Oregon and how they, they legalized which um, was very exciting stuff and we also breached obviously you know into into the topic of politics but um, before I get in um, which which will be the focus of today's um, episode but before I get into all of that I'd like to thank today's sponsor um, today's sponsor is that that one leaf that's always stuck in your in your windshield wipers and it's just just enough out of the way when you like reach around you can't grab it and it's stuck just enough that when you 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 turn on the windshield wipers it won't come free and so you just kind of decide you're just gonna live with it and it it, you know it'd be so easy just to once you once you park to walk out front snag it but you say fuck it every time and the leaf stays there a reliable friend reliable friend reliable king thank you Shout out that leaf. So, yeah, man, there's a whole great sponsor today. That's thank God for them. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Episode. Wow, I know. Yeah. Shout out to that leaf. Shout out to that leaf. But there is, wow, a lot, lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. A lot of, lot of very interesting developments in the political world. I mean, the last four years are an interesting, are an interesting development in the yeah. political world. But, oh man, I don't mean, I guess. I guess we kind of start with the big, the big topic. I guess you know, Joe Biden is our president elect. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, thanks again for having me back. I really oh, appreciate it. Always love having these uh, little, you know, conversations with you. These little conversations, us and our little conversations. Yeah, Joe Biden. Wow. Um, sheesh, the most votes ever in history for a president. I mean, amazing amazing feat for you know for for biden for democracy um it's 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 exciting yeah it's you know it's we talk about hope in the lot you know the last time you were here you know some of that hope is you know kind of returning right now you know you, you got someone that is not donald trump 
and, you know, we, I, I, here at Vibe Time, we are very, you know, unafraid. We're very to, partisan. Very partisan, unafraid. <laughs> very to, partisan operation. Yeah, you know, I won't make any, any you know, illusions that I'm anything other than a very progressive. Very biased. Yeah, very biased uh, source. Um, so if you're conservative, hey. I love you, but get a get a look into the hourglass but, of what but, we're thinking. But 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 yeah, you know, perhaps perhaps take to heart what I say, and, you know, do what you will with the information that, that comes out of my mouth. But you know, by someone that's not Donald Trump, as I was saying in the White House, and maybe we can finally get a handle on this, you know, coronavirus thing. And I thought it was going to magically disappear. I could have swore. That it was gonna. Ma- I thought he told us. That's right. That it it's getting cold. Disappear. It's getting. It's getting cold now. Which actually, yeah, viruses don't exist as you know. Well, in the war- no, no. Yeah, it's getting cold now. It's coming back. He said it was warm weather that was gonna kill it. It was hot this summer. Like, is coronavirus killed? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe ask, it is. You should ask the hundred thousand people who've died since Trump said that. I mean. The thing is, here's the thing, is we are going to dive into so many issues in the next hour and 40 minutes, and COVID is just the start. I mean, Trump haphazardly announces this Operation Warp Speed, and for our audience, if you're not aware of it, who knows what the hell's going on at the time that this gets released, but but the information that I have as of this recording is that Pfizer um, actually has a vaccine that was funded just by the company, not by the government at all, just funded by the company, and is actually 90% effective, which for those of you that don't know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention only says that it has to be 50% effective against the coronavirus or any virus for it to be considered an effective vaccine. Um, And so, I mean, we're gonna talk about a lot of issues, but obviously I think that something is to be said about the fact that we had a president that didn't want to wear a mask and a rallying cry was firing the top disease and infectious doctor in the country um and he pulls us out of the world health organization i mean yeah it's yes there is a reason to be optimistic that we'll be able to get out of it because now we have a leader who doesn't have his head so far in the sand that he doesn't see the need for global cooperation on something like a fucking pandemic exactly and you know i think a very chilling reminder of you know our current president's you know uh mindset on this it's the what the axios um, interview when confronted with the uh, you know the amount of deaths, Trump's response was you know people die you know it is what it, it is, is. What it is. Yeah. and you know a very chilling reminder of the person that is supposedly in office for the people you know it, it, it's the it, populist president the populist president that you know that that person has very unashamedly said fuck you like. Here's what I think is happening. And what I think people aren't willing to recognize is how well Donald Trump can bend the truth. Because to you or I, it's like Donald Trump is an absolute jackass and a moron. But there are really, seriously, 70 million people voted for him. So you have to figure there's at least 30 million people, let's say it's only 30 million, that really love Donald Trump and take the words he says to heart. And, And so the thing is... When you're, when you're that guy, 
you have a certain responsibility when it comes to the health and well-being of everybody, right? And and I think that I mean, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, it's it's concerning when you think about that, you know. And like you said, moving forward, we have a leader that is not concerned with all that bullshit. You know, we have a leader that is concerned with a path forward out of this this virus. Um, you know, you, you, you know, just for people that are listening, Garrett and I, uh, election day, Tuesday, we were awake for like a lot of the Close time. to 36 hours Clo- if you count up to the day before. I mean, we were up the whole day before and then we stayed up until I fell asleep at noon. You stayed up until that night. I stayed up till five o'clock the next morning. Yeah, so you stayed up late. I mean, you fell asleep for a couple hours in my room for an hour. Yeah, it wasn't room, consistent. But, but I fell asleep for like five hours at about noon. I was up for close to 30 hours, I would say, and straight watching the election results. Yeah, and, you know, so it was a tiring week, you know, and it was a roller coaster of a ride, you know, despite that we knew about the red and blue mirages, you know, we, you know, it, yeah. we're not above being, you know, drawn in by the, those things and watching, you know, Florida flip-flop, you know, it was a beautiful moment to see Florida and Texas both blue at different points in the and night. Kansas, and Kansas, uh, right? And, yeah, Kansas. So it was tumultuous to say the least. And, you know, we were, you know, I'm glad on the other side that we kind of have a more conclusive ending, which we knew it was going to happen, you know, one way or the other, we'd have an answer. But, you know, kind of, I think it was the mix of the anxiety of what, you know, our darkest future is. And the sleep deprivation, um, and the influence of a decent amount of alcohol and and other you know self medicating things. You know, it, it I was least, on call that night, so I actually didn't have any alcohol that night. I was just exhausted. No, you were exhausted, but like I mean, me and Connor. Oh yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, shout out you for raining us and make sure we make sure we could still be in charge. I was exhausted, charged. bro. I was like falling asleep. But no, I mean, you're right, and we knew all the mirages were going to happen, but I think that there's, I mean, the polling was so god-awful this year. I watched people that made predictions that accounted for the polling errors that were equivalent to Hillary Clinton's in 2016, and it was like, Hillary Clinton was up about 3% on election day from Donald Trump nationwide, which is within the margin of error, which is 4% for our viewers. Uh, Most polls have within about a 4% margin of error. So that's about the nationwide margin of error, is about 4%. So there's a toss-up, you know? It could could be Clinton up to eight, or it could be a toss-up. So so what we usually see is that these polls are swinging right. Here's the issue, here's what I saw this year, is Republicans there must be one of two problems in polling. Either A, polling is not adequately polling Republicans, and that's a very real issue. Or, and what I think is far more likely is, there's a block of ashamed Republicans. I think there is a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump who were very, very willing to vote for him and pretty much had their mind made up who in polls said, oh, well, I'm undecided, or yeah. I'll vote for Joe Biden. Because, and I have no evidence of this, and, but 
it's like the polling is so incredibly off. And Joe Biden's campaign made a point in the last week of, hey, polls don't matter, go out and vote. And as you see, you know, 78 million people almost historic for him, historic amount of people. But you know who's the second most amount of votes in American history? Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. And so that's the thing is both sides mobilized their base in incredible numbers this year. That being said, it's very disconcerting, I think, for Democrats. I think it should be very disconcerting to Democrats. Um, you're polled, you were polled to have a better chance of winning 10 to 20 House seats than losing a single House seat. Yeah. And you end up losing about 10 seats Ten of your seats, majority. Yeah. Um, the Senate, you were favored at about 65, 70% to win the Senate, you were supposed to win states like Maine and North Carolina. You were supposed to compete in Montana and Iowa and Kansas. Now we're looking at the only way for a Senate majority is a 50-50 split, and it would have to take the two, both elections in Georgia would have to go for Democrats in, in January when that occurs. But it's it's got to be horrible for the Democratic National Convention. You've got to be looking at this like Donald Trump is maybe the worst as far as character mm -hmm. and as far as whatever. You know what? You agree. You can agree with his policies. You don't agree with his policies. We have our own opinion here on the show. You, I, I yeah. have my own opinion. As a guest, you have your own opinion. But, but him as a character, the way he talks, the way he intimidates the press, the way... He's a bully. Even people who voted for him are like, he's a bully. He is not a good Republican candidate. So if you're a Democrat, you should be very, very worried that the Republicans were able to get this many people out to vote for Donald Trump. First of all, because Donald Trump will probably run again in 2024. Yep. He will be 78, which would be the same age as Joe Biden is this year. So I could see it. I could see a Donald Trump versus Kamala Harris. Kamala, oh. excuse me, versus Kamala Harris. Yeah. And I could definitely see Trump winning that, unfortunately, Ooh. because American politics is a constant pendulum. Yeah. But but both sides mobilize their their sides their 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 groups uh, amazing this Yeah, year. let's 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 just take a moment. A and, victory and, for and, democracy. And, 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 and really, you know, they're they're they're, they're calling it a victory for, for democracy. democracy. Uh, if you again, Netflix, we love you. You know, designated survivor. We've only seen a season and a half. Second half, the first half of season two, it's not really grabbing me. So, designated survivor, if you're listening, leave your comments below. Get get better, please. I love you. Designate ABC, if you're listening, make your show better, so I can support you. Retroactively better. make. The second season of your show. Yeah, retroactively make it better so that way I have a better I'm like, time. the Capitol blew up and then it got done boring. Like, how? yeah, you really started the stakes really high. And then it's, like, this weird, like, side plot with the FBI agent and it's, like, so... It's just, like, certain episodes are just done boring. And I, I, I feel like there's so many conflicts, with, especially with the FBI lady. Like, if she just <laughs> worked with at least one other person... 
it's poor. It's like it's like the opposite of Deus ex machina. It's like purposefully putting your in a, yourself in a situation where you then have to have Deus ex machina, where you have to have the will of God. You know, like yeah. I'm like I'm like just make the show normal. Like it was interesting when you were talking about things that would actually occur in politics. Yeah. But now you're talking about some. Now you're like taking 40 episodes and talking about this FBI conspiracy. You could have wrapped it up in eight episodes, 12 episodes, 16 episodes. Yeah. But you're on episode 30, 35, 40, and you're still talking about it? It's got its issues, but regardless of the quality of Designated Survivor, um, this, it, it was incredible how many people showed up at the polls I mean going into it I honestly you know at this point last year if you had asked me what you know what my feelings about voter turnout would be I would be a very grim a grim outlook because I mean looking at 2016 the lowest voter turnout since World War II and that's when most of the population wasn't even in the country it was they were all fighting a war yeah yeah and you know that brings up Again, other things of well, how they vote, mail-in ballots, but whatever, you know. Rega- regardless of any bullshit about fraudulent, you know, mail-in ballots, it, it's they worked, you know. People showed up and voted, and I, and I think you really have to hand it, you know. And again, I am a biased, you know, person because I I really didn't get too many conservative get out the vote, which I think there's also something to be said about conservative outlets not trying to promote voting but the democrats they they pushed you know very not like hey like there were obviously some you know some ads like the lincoln project for sure and some of the more intense joe biden commercials that would be very you know donald trump is this don't do you know but a lot of the democratic you know ads that came out were hey get out and vote go go vote you know it's your civic duty and people took that to heart and like i said you know it surprised me, and it, it was a very pleasant surprise. You know, I I, I love to see that. Dem- dem- I mean, it's gonna sound cheesy, but I like to see the democracy actually works, and that it actually, because you know, after the last four years, after Trump's endless amount of, you know, his I guess his, you know, quest to destroy, you know, the the normalcy of the American democracy. You know, it's hard to see, you know that the system works and this election just kind of proved you know and i hope is is, is a, a, little, a little stamp on the timeline that we can look back at and be like okay clearly it, it, it's possible yeah we, we can do this we can rally in these moments of like oh my god there's a fascist in office and you know so very good stuff so again just wanted to take that moment just to be like thank you for voting you know, everyone that course, went out and yeah. did their civic duty. Thank you so much. And then, you know, especially thank you to the poll workers that that, yeah, that took time out to out of out of their day to ensure that our democracy was gonna was gonna function. Um, it's not easy. You're sitting out there. It's boring, probably. You know, like I I, I when I went out with my, uh, with with Connor <laughs> to go boring. to go fill out his provisional ballot because of some you know some nonsense with with uh, trying to get re-registered, but. I went out there, I was sitting and waiting for the vote, and you know, it was at a church, very nice place, shout out to that church. It, it was just kind of dull, you know, because voting isn't, you know, 
in a you know very objective sense not an exciting thing. You're going out bubbling in answers, you know, on a on a sheet of paper and it's most of the names, let's be honest, you don't really know, you know. So even more reason to thank you for going out and doing it. It's yeah. kind of boring. And again, especially thank you to those that sacrificed their time to help other people. Yeah, poll workers, I think, deserve a huge pat on the back this year. I mean, usually they're older individuals, retirees that just have, that be up at five in the morning on election day and are like, exactly. I'll go work and make 13 bucks an hour, you know. But this year it's high school students. It's it's college students. It's people that care about our democracy. It's Republicans, Democrats, independents, people who are apolitical, people who are super political. Um, and and it's, it's people who care about making sure that we have a right to vote. And, and sometimes they don't have the right answers to the questions. I mean, I think that there's something to be said. Sometimes there's poll workers, there's stories where poll workers will, tur will turn people away. And then you're like, I, you're supposed to, oops, you're supposed to demand a provisional ballot. Um, and things like that. And there are poll workers that certainly do things like that. But I, I, try, I choose to try to think about the positive in people that 99% mm -hmm. of poll workers aren't trying to um, do any kind of disenfranchisement. They're, they're focused on making sure that our democrat, democratic process has enough people to work in. Um, I got turned down to be a poll worker <laughs> this year, which is funny. They said they had enough people. Which is, you know, that's that, That's a great thing to that's hear. That's a great that's problem a, to have. Yeah, a great problem to have. Like, oh, I can't volunteer to help with the polls because there's so many people that have already decided to do it. But yeah, look at look at 2008. I mean, Barack Obama had a huge, incredible, incredible turnout. And people are like, oh my God, 2008 turnout is historic. It's amazing. That's about 70%. This year, it's closer to about 75%. And... It's just one of those things that's like, wow, we are moving in a more, here's the thing is, we are more engaged as a society. Now there are pros and cons because people have their own information about what is the facts and that is an issue that we can definitely talk about. But the fact that people are more politically engaged, the fact that this year compared to 2016, almost 10% more voter turnout, that is incredible. And so it's, it's one of those things that it's important to take the victories that we can get. Yes, there's over 70 million people that said Trump's racism is either not a big deal or I'm completely on board with it. You know, there were 72 million plus people that said it's either okay and I don't mind and I'm complacent or I'm great with it, I'm on board with it. You know, there's 72 plus million Americans said, so I'm not trying to find a silver lining there. But we can look at the positive of, wow, over almost 150 million Americans went out and voted. Despite the pandemic, yes. despite all of these fears about mail-in voting, about corruption, about blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that, about despite, despite the fact that we're looking at a historic amount of scandals, right? Yeah. Um, the state of North Carolina, you're dealing with Cal Cunningham um, and the Senate who, who, who had some kind of sex, you know, scandal. And then you've got um, Doug uh, Jones in Alabama going against Tommy Tuberfield. Tommy Tuberfield, um, who wins, can't, or Tommy Tuberville, sorry, Field, I was saying because he's, he's a former football coach, so I had this <laughs> thing about Tommy Tuberville, um, couldn't name all three branches of the government. 
Um, uh, there was, I mean, I'm, I, there's, there's scandal with Kelly Loeffler in Georgia, uh, the Republican in Georgia, saying that I'm, I'm 100% behind Trump um, adding the Supreme Court justice, despite the fact that she was never actually elected to her term as senator. She was appointed um, because of the whole scandal that already happened in Georgia. And then there's the lady out in, um, in Arizona. Uh, 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 um, <sighs> It was Mark Kelly versus um, Kirsten Cinema. No, 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 no. Kirsten Cinema is the other one. Whoever the the Republican was in in Arizona is is saying that similar things, and she was appointed after John McCain's passing. So it's like you're look you're you're seeing that there is this ex- this weird this, this this year there were so many scandals that. Both sides were like, I have to go out and vote. Everybody had a different reason. I need to make sure that Donald Trump's not in office. I need to make sure Joe Biden's not in office. I need to make sure Cal Cunningham's not in office. I need to make sure Cal, uh, Kelly Loeffler's not in office. I need to make sure Susan Collins stays in office. I need to make sure Joni Ernst stays in office. I need to make sure that John James doesn't get in office in Michigan. I need to make sure that Steve Daines gets reelected. I need to make sure that Hickenlooper beats um, Gardner in Colorado. I need to make sure that former astronaut Mark Kelly wins in Arizona. You know, I need to make sure that Lujan wins again re-election in um, New Mexico. You know, whatever. Um, both sides were extremely pumped about this election. And so that's, that's, there's, there's a silver lining to everything. And I think the excitement is that more people are engaged and hopefully we'll get to a point where we can all once again agree on what is true and what is false and what is fact and what is fiction. And then we'll be able to say, how can we move forward productively? Yeah. And you know, we, we, we uh, touched on this in our, in our previous conversation, but, you know, one of those steps kind of moving forward, and we'll only briefly talk about it uh, this to go around, but Oregon took a big step. That's a big step in, in, in kind of the, 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 what we, you know, what I perceived as to be an uphill battle yes. for legalization. Against the war on drugs. Against the war on drugs, and Oregon huge stride in legalization of, of everything, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I'd love to touch on it for just a second. I mean, the importance of it can't be... Because here's the thing, is who gives a shit about Oregon, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but here's what it really... If you're matters. from Oregon, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're Oregon, if, if Oregon is listening, we give a shit about you. I'm just using you for an example. Like... Let's say, who gives a fuck about Oregon, right? Let's just say, who gives a fuck about Oregon? What about the fact that Washington, their next door neighbor, will probably pass it soon? Oh, California is the most liberal, one of the most liberal areas in the country. They'll probably pass something like that soon. Colorado is soon, is soon after that. And then you got Hawaii. And then maybe you moved to New Mexico. And then you're talking about Illinois, which is now over in the east. And then you're talking about states like Vermont and the District of Columbia and and um, even even New Jersey, perhaps. And, oh, yeah. Um, and so you're talking about, about a, a snowball that is just beginning to start rolling. And that's what's most exciting to me is who cares about Oregon? I don't, I'd don't. i love to visit Oregon. I want to go out there. I hear it's beautiful. I have a friend who lives, who actually moved out to Oregon uh, during middle school. And my closest friend, shut up, Bryce. Um, but he goes to UO now. But yeah, I want to visit out in Oregon. But it's like, who gives a fuck about Oregon? The fact that this is now 
a, a snowball is now going to start rolling because there was never a discussion about legalization of marijuana in the 80s. No, no, absolutely. But after Colorado and after Oregon and Washington and all these states started legalizing it, for medical reasons and later on recreational, people are like, wow, there is science and fact behind this. And so Oregon will be the guinea pig. And, in every, and we always need one. Colorado was the guinea pig for recreational marijuana. They made a lot of money. And other states saw that and said, let I will I would like lots of money. Yeah. I yeah. would like money. You know, like <laughs> duh. Um and that's what I'm most excited about is the prospect that this could really become the next conversation after legalization. We're talking 10, 15 years in the future. We're talking about a conversation when, you know. God forbid Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is running for president, someone like that, and we're talking about that kind of conversation of we should legalize all drugs because the focus should be on rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, at that point, I've got to believe healthcare is going to be a right. I've got to believe marijuana is going to be recreational. I've got to believe all these things are going to happen in the next five to ten years that's going to have the next conversation be what do we do with the rest of the drugs? Yeah. Because we see marijuana as a money maker, do we want to just, we should just pump out heroin and make money off of that. No, 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 we shouldn't. What we should do is, is make, it, make it safe for people who need it, who are addicted to it, but also make it mandatory rehab, therapy, some kind of way to rehabilitate someone's mind and spirit who's struggling with those things. But that's what's most exciting to me about Oregon that I didn't mention on the last one regardless is just the fact that this is the start of a conversation that's going to be going on well into our 20s and probably 30s i mean absolutely or oregon you know it's 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 just cool to see because like you didn't i I didn't really expect it's like uh, oregon all right sure cool i guess you know that's great it was just a surprising, just little little bit of news to kind of come after election season, um, and so yeah, on, on, you know, on the points of you know legalization and stuff like that, like making things safe, you know, like as we kind of move towards you know quarantine, has kind of you know made us reevaluate society and what our futures, you know, what we want it to look like, and a way of looking at this. I mean, we have however many people dying from overdoses and you know caused by addiction every year and if we you know if that snowball as you say rolling that's an issue that's going to get caught up in that snowball and and it's gonna you know once it gets once the snowball reaches the end of the hill you know that's something that's going to get solved and just another hopeful thing to be looking forward at um in the future um so we didn't really, you know, I, I haven't really breached this. It's just kind of, it's unfortunately not as trending right now as, as a lot of things are. But I mean, Black Lives Matter is still, I mean, still matters. It still matters. Black, Black lives, lives still are matter. still yeah, they still matter. Point, they still I mean, Breonna Taylor's killers, 
they, they, you know, still at large. Still at large. No justice has been served in that Thank regard. Thank you, Daniel Cameron. Daniel Cameron, Attorney uh, General of Kentucky. Any Kentuckians that are listening to this who voted for Daniel Cameron, I want to say fuck you from me personally. Uh, Daniel Cameron is an asshole, and he's a Trump supporter, and he swept the Breonna Taylor killing under the rug, and we're not going to be quiet about it. Thank you very much. I'd like to go. We can go back to the podcast now. And that statement is fully sponsored by Vibe Time <laughs> and our sentiments exactly. Um, the issues, I mean, looking back into, like, I mean, quarantine, what what a, what a time. Yeah. I, I mean, of, of, like, as we've, I've spoken about a lot of change and personal growth, a lot of beating down 2020, the dumpster fire, the, the, the terrible rotten giving tree that just keeps on fucking giving me rotten, terrible apples that I still have to eat because it's the only food I have. And it, it, you know, the killing, you know, it, this is not new that, that African Americans in our country are, are being persecuted because of the color of their skin. But George Floyd's death, tragic. I, it, it should not have happened. Yeah. It, as unfortunate as that it took, it's taken this long for the mass public to realize how, how, serious a problem this is it, it's it's done that now people people are starting to wake up and, and, and really start to see these kind of cracks and flaws and in, in the disparities between between the race you know in between ethnicities and like people of color and, and, and you know the white white populations in, in America because it's a conversation that is long 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 overdue and, and it's terrible that it took the the murder of a, of a man to get us to this point, but you know, we kind of have to play with the cards we're dealt, and I think we have to take advantage of this this moment of, of, of conversation. Because I mean, I remember I, I was at the beach working when when that happened, yeah. and I mean, it was it was shocking to me that such such a disc. I mean, I watched the video. I mean, it was it was horrible. I mean, it was hard to get through because. I mean, the fact that I didn't know what disgusted me more, the, the fact that I just watched someone die, or the fact that that, that that action went unpunished for so long, and and by so many people in the country, it was a justified. They justified it. And what should have just been a conversation of there is... A systemic racism in, in in our in our policing system and in a lot of our government functions, you know, and we need to start working towards you know reconciling that. It became a question of, well, Black Lives Matter, but my life matters and I'm not black, so all lives matter. And if you say Black Lives Matter, why don't you care about cops? So blue lives matter. <laughs> and it and, and it became this discussion that is so far removed from the actual point. Of what black the like Black Lives Matter movement actually is, mm-hmm. I, I I am would be I feel hard pressed to find someone that would that it believes in Black Lives Matter that says that that's it you know um, only Black Lives Matter um, <laughs> now um, fuck fuck white lives fuck 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 anyone else. Other than black people, that, yeah. that that I would be hard pressed to find anyone that actually has and shares that belief, and so 
it kind of it kind of bo- boggles me that the conversation of of all lives matter is even a thing. Yeah. Because an analogy that you know I, I saw was like your you know your neighbor's house is burning down and and everyone you know is is getting water and you know putting the fire out and you're like, well hey, well, does no one care about my house? Yeah. And it's like we, it's not that we don't care about your house. It's just that your house isn't on fire right now. And, and that's what it is. It's not that we don't care about other lives. It's just that black lives are in danger because of systems set up by other the other sides. And so I think that, you know, that event, it, it really, you know, kind of lifted the veil. And now we're really just getting a hard look at, like, all the problems. And I hope that this conversation isn't just short-lived you know i you know i kind of hate to see that you know you don't see people posting as much you don't see people you know really talking about it as much anymore it's kind of like joe biden you know is you know is the president-elect well you know you know wipe your hand you know clean your hands of this you're done you've done you've done your part the good guys won things are normal again but that's not you know these problems existed before trump you know well so First of all, I like the analogy you brought up. I was going to bring my own analogy, but I don't even need to. I mean, that's a great analogy. We're not worried about your house because it's not burning down. We're we're not worried about the importance of white lives right now or Asian American lives or, or any other American lives. What we are worried about right now is the fact that black lives are specifically being threatened by police officers. And and I just like to say... Um, September 1st, 2016, Colin Kaepernick took a knee in San Diego uh, with, with Eric Reed. And, and after the game, they asked him, why'd you do it? Why'd you take a knee during the national anthem? He said, I don't want to stand for a flag that represents a country that doesn't value me and doesn't stand up for the values that it protects for white people it doesn't protect those values for me in the same way. And when Colin Kaepernick said that, it was, it's about the flag. It's about the military. It's about this. It's about that. It's always been, people have always been trying to make it. It's about this issue, that issue. I'm a white person. I would never tell a black person or a black, a, a group of black people how to, how to protest. Yeah. And Colin Kaepernick took a knee. And at the time, I'm a 15-year-old kid about to be 16. I disagreed with it because I grew up in a conservative household. Mm -hmm. But once he starts talking, even as a guy who grew up conservative, I saw his point of view. I said, this has never been about the flag. This has never been about the military. This is about the fact that the government does not protect black Americans the same way that it protects white white Americans. I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate to wake up and I'm I'm fully acknowledge of the fact that I get to wake up every day with a smile on my face that I am a white male man. That I'm a white male man. A white male man. That I'm a white that I'm a white male man. That's no, just how much of a man you that are. I'm You're a, white, a male man. The, that I'm that I'm a white American man. Like, the fact that I'm a white man in America or a white American man in America, either way, like, I'm stumbling over my words, but but the fact that I get to wake up every day, 
my view, the people's view of me is going to be immediately different than it's going to be of someone who has a different, who has a darker complexion than I do. And that's not right. I don't like that. But as a white male, I know that that is my privilege and that if I get pulled over by the police and I have a, a whatever in my car, drugs, whatever, I have a less chance of getting my car searched, getting arrested, having something fatal or even just an injury happen mm -hmm. versus if, if my, if my African-American friends would get pulled over by the police. And it's been an issue that people have been, that people have been trying to talk about because I brought up Colin Kaepernick and people wanted to talk about the flag. They wanted to talk about the military. They wanted to say, well, my blah, blah was in the military. And I, and I always had an issue with hearing that perspective because look, my grandfather was in the military. He was in World War II and I, I'm a Jewish person. And so obviously World War II has a, very specific importance to me um, as a Jewish American and as someone who has a grandfather who fought for America against the Nazis. Um, obviously, I have a very deep connection and obviously everybody should agree that, 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 that there is something special about people who are willing to sacrifice everything for our right to protest, to speech, to religion, mm -hmm. all of, to democratic elections, all those things. Um, and the people who lose their lives are heroes, um, not uh, suckers and losers as um, our current president, hopefully not current president, as this podcast comes out, yeah. Donald Trump, one-term president Donald Trump. <laughs> Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. But that's the thing is for so long, people have been saying, well, my dad was in the military. My grandfather was in the military. My uncle was in the military. It's very important to me. I get it. But the, the, this is people's lives and they're not talking about the military going out. They're not protesting the military going out and fighting for, for <laughs> going out and fighting. They're talking about the government not willing to seek justice. We're seeing it with Breonna Taylor. We saw it with, uh, we're going to see it, unfortunately, in my opinion, with George Floyd. I feel like it's only a matter of time before those cops are exonerated. Um, or acquitted, excuse me. But that's the thing is, is I, I, I want to do a, a l l let's go back in time. 1963, Martin Luther King Jr.'s March on Washington. 60% of Americans said that it was detrimental because it, and I quote, did not serve any real benefit. There would be nothing that would actually come out of it. What did they say about Colin Kaepernick? What are they saying about Black Lives Matter? It's not productive because they've made their point and they're not gonna get anything from it. They said the same thing about Dr. King and so, it's important to understand that that black lives matter yesterday, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And when Joe Biden is the president, we have to keep the foot on the gas because black Americans are what brought Donald, or excuse me, what kicked Donald Trump out of the White House. They are the ones Look, I'm a white male that did not vote for Donald Trump, but I know that my demographic is not the demographic that kicked Donald Trump out of the office. It's the, it's black women, it's black men, it's Asian Americans, it's young people, I mean, I'm a young person, and it's women. Those are the people that kicked Donald Trump out. So Joe Biden, 
owes it to African-American women and African-American men to, to, to care about them on a fundamental level and fund the things that, and, and hear them out. Atlanta, Milwaukee, Chicago, Atlanta, Milwaukee, um, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Those are the four cities in Detroit, Detroit. Those are the five cities that should be on the forefront. Joe Biden should be listening to people from those cities because Philadelphia won in Pennsylvania, Detroit won in Michigan, um, Milwaukee won in Wisconsin, and Atlanta won in Georgia. Those are the cities that, and Pittsburgh also helped yeah, in, yeah, in, right. or in uh, Pennsylvania, obviously. But those are the cities, and those are primarily urban populations, high African Americans, and high youth. And those are the people that Joe Biden owes it to, to do something during his presidency that's fu that fundamentally wipes you can't wipe away the the, the, slate, the slate of inequality in four years. Right. There's no way. We're not, I don't think Joe Biden's going to do reparations. I think we're years away from that. But we have a job to do to make sure that things like Breonna Taylor, like George Floyd, like like Trayvon Martin, like um, the, the, the kid that was in Charlotte, um, my hometown, like... Like the people, Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice. Like there's the problem is there's so Flash many examples. There's so many examples. It's chilling. It's upsetting. It's sad. It should it should hurt everybody, and it should hurt people beyond being like this is upsetting. Now all lives matter. That's a that's that's the fundamental problem that I have with all lives matter is that. We're not, we're, we're still not leveling the playing field. Equality is different than equity. Follow me here, follow me here. Equality is if me, LeBron James at 6'10", and Shaquille O'Neal at 7'6", or Yao Ming at 7'6", get to stand on the same, on equal ground. <laughs> but equity is if I get a however many inch platform so that I'm equal with Shaq and LeBron gets a however many equal inches to be equal with Shaq. So we're all on the same viewing point. Mm -hmm. Equality is different than equity. And what we're seeing is African-Americans are not asking for anything other than equity. They're asking for equity in healthcare, equity in education, equity when it comes to, to policing and safe, crime and safety. They're asking for equity when it comes to all these issues. There are people that think that we have a system that promotes equality. That might very well be right. But when African Americans start 20 step when my african-american friends start 15 to 20 steps behind me just because of my skin color that's where we're getting into this issue of equity versus equality yeah and it, it talking about this starting you know how many steps behind it's you know it's like you, you know you're in other examples like you're you're in a race you know and Except, you know, like, so, like, we'll go back in time, you know, like, you have 
uh, white and black people, just to really boil it down, racing on a track, you know, high school track, you know, they're, they're racing around it, except uh, the black runner is immediately shackled to the starting platform, and the white guy just gets, gets just to keep running. And it takes a good while before the black runner gets to unshackle themselves, you know, with not being slaves and, you know, getting to Jim own land. Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, we could, uh, all day. So then it, my mass incarceration is something they're still dealing with. So by, the, that is still by the time that they get to start running, the white runner has far outpaced them. At any moment that they begin to catch up, Things get put in the way. As you brought up, Jim Crow, boom. Another thing. You know, like, all these barriers that society is just placing that to, to uh, purposely obstruct them from being able to even have a fair leg. And this race is why, that's why, all, you know, people that, you know, ha are against Black Lives Matter that have the point of, like, they have as much chance, as much, you know, equal opportunity, you know, they have equality, the same equality as I do, to go out and do this. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah. The system isn't rigged against you. People aren't, you know, gonna suddenly, you know, put a hand in their pocket to hold their wallet and phone tighter when they walk by a white guy. There are people that do that when they walk around. Mexican people, black people, you know, like, fuck, you know. Latinx people. Latinx people, and so it's like. Yeah. No, yeah. So society isn't programming people to do that. Muslim Americans, it, yeah. it, you know, the, the, unfortunately, the list goes on, and yeah. so it, the conversations that we need, that Joe Biden needs to start having, specifically with policy, is you know, we we it does start with like really going in on the message of like our differences are very, very superficial, yeah. incredibly superficial. There, there is okay. Are we really gonna let the pigment of someone's skin dictate your social status, dictate your place in life, the rights that you are like earned, afforded? afforded? That's silly. Like that's a silly concept. That like, do we not have the, like we are all like, it's gonna sound you know kind of cheesy hippie granola whatever, but like we are all human. Exactly. We exist the same way. We have the same needs. We all need water. We all need food. We all need cooperation. We all need love. We need, you know, like, comfortability. We all are wanting these things, and we're letting very superficial bullshit get in the way of, of, of reaching that. We have no reason to continue putting these people down. And I know people. I know people that are good-hearted. They have good intentions, but specifically with Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter, you know, you know, kind of that opposition there. I, I see people that I know are good people coming out for the, the Black, the excuse me, the uh, Blue Lives Matter movement, which is, you know, that's a whole nother controversy about ACAB. And, you know, obviously we'll, we'll probably get to your take on that here in a second. But, you know, it, it's there. There is good. You know, good people that where there's there is you know not necessarily great intention existing within them because we're not perfect, we're flawed, and we're very products, very much so products of our environments and how we were raised. And these people that are coming out in favor of of um, Blue Lives Matter, they they have a very different experience, which goes back to the point of like white and black American experiences are very different. Yes, cops for white communities, they're friends, they're protectors. They're, they're, they're people that serve the community. They're there to help you. And in many ways, that's true for white communities. 
but you shift the focus over to black communities and their perception of of um, law enforcement. It's conversations about you have to make sure your hands are visible to them. You have to not make any sudden movements. Yeah. You have to not roll your window down all the way to make sure they can't reach in and grab you. You need to have your license on standby, ready for you in case they ask. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Do not move them unless it's a, they ask. Yes, you. sir. No, Slow sir. Movement. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. The fact that the fact that Black Americans and Americans that are basically all Americans that are not white have to have this discussion about police and how to act towards the police is sad. It really is just very sad. Um, it almost brings me to tears sometimes. The yeah. fact that the fact that families have to teach their kids because as a white person, me and my ignorance, I can't imagine having that conversation with my parents. And having a conversation with my parents are like, you could do absolutely nothing wrong. And if you say the wrong thing, if you smile when you're not supposed to, if you make a face, if you move, if you shift, your life can be over just like that. That sucks. I wish I had better fucking things to say than that, but it, it sucks. Um, and uh, one thing you mentioned earlier about, I mean, first of all, with the Blue Lives Matter thing, I mean, blue lives are not a thing. It is an occupation that you have. Yeah. I have family members that are police officers. I'll talk about this in a second. But blue lives are not a thing. There are gangs that kill police officers. Yes, that is a real thing, and that is a problem. But that's not what we're talking about, even at all. Even, even in the same stratosphere is what we're talking about. So let's take that completely out of it and, and get back to the problem. Because again, we as Americans are trying to make it about this problem, that problem, this problem, instead of just talking about the one that they're actually trying to bring up. America has a very deep... And it's, it's always been here. It's always been ingrained. We have a very deep connection to this rugged individualism. We're all on the same level. We pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and we pick ourselves up and we do it. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the, the access to be able to pull themselves up from the bootstraps. But there are people that, have, that do have access that pull themselves up from the bootstraps that then say, I did it, why can't everybody? And that's where you're going into like, you did it. How can you not have grace for people who might not have the same ability to do it as you? A cab. Like I said, I have family members who are police officers, uncles and things like that. I love them and I don't think that they're bad people at all. Um, you know, and I don't think that all cops are bad people. But here's what ACAB really means. All caps, all cops are bad students. Here's what it really means. Historically speaking, um, if you remember from our last podcast, I mentioned that I'm a context person. I'm a history major. Context-wise, where did the police come from? It came from uh, shortly after the Dred Scott versus Samford case, the idea of runaway slaves and tracking these runaway slaves down, capturing them and bringing them back to the, their owners. Now, however you want to interpret it, that is how it progressed to what we see today. I don't believe that all cops are bad people, but herein lies the problem. 
Asheville decreased the police budget by 3%. And 40 cops have resigned. 40. How can we get anywhere when both sides are looking for no solution? Black Lives Matter wasn't asking for 3% to be gone. I personally think that much more should be divested oh, from the police budget. Absolutely. That being said, it's a start. And you know what a Republican state legislator said in, in the state capitol in Raleigh? He said that we should, as a state, not fund any cities that defund their police. We removed 3% and put it into social programs, put it into affordable housing, put it into um, hospitals and schools. 3%. If we can't get the Republicans to agree on moving 3% out of the military budget, out of these places and putting it into teacher pay, putting it into healthcare, putting it into housing, we're never going to get anywhere because we talk about incremental change and how important it is. But what are black Americans asking for? Equality, equity, an equal chance to have that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that our constitution endows them. And we are unwilling or unable to do that because of how polarized we are. 3%, we can't agree on 3% going to help this community that's been disenfranchised. Forget about us talking about ever having reparations or ever being able to talk about um, mass incarceration. Those things are miles away if we can't talk about 3%. In, in the, 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 the phrasing, defund the police, I mean, not only did it scare, you know, um, conservatives, it, it scared centrists, it scared moderate Democrats. I mean, my dad is a centrist, and, you know, my mom is a little bit more liberal than my dad is, but, you know, I would say she definitely falls more to that moderate um, perspective more more often than not and it, and it concerned them and I, I had good conversations with my my dad and my mom kind of about what that what defund the police like actually meant you know and you kind of brought up about moving some of that funding and putting it into other services I mean it's the conversation wasn't again here's making the conversation something that it's not once again the conversation was never no more police that one was the Trump ad that was like a very dramatic, like 911 call thing. And it was like, we are, someone called 911. It's like, we're sorry, there's no operator on the form because we have been defunded. And it's like, that's not a scenario. That's not what we're proposing. What is being proposed is that the shoestring amount of funding that is being given to social services right now, some of that, like, is, is instead, it is, you know, 
year and is injected with funds from the police because realistically, like, the cops do not need tanks. They don't need all these, these, what, 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 what they're being funded for right now. And in a conversation I had with my AP um, Gov teacher's girlfriend, fiance, I don't know what she is um, to him, but... She was like, well, you know, how is this going to solve anything if we defund the police? And I said, well, let's just say, like, there's a story of, uh, I don't remember the specifics now. It's, it's been a while since I've actually talked about this. But it was, um, like, an elderly um, black male who was schizophrenic. He had episodes, and he um, he was having an episode, and someone called, called 911 to, see, to get him help. And... The cops decided to respond with two men in full bulletproof gear, like like riot gear, show up to this man's house. They 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 they, they you know, open you know they busted the door open and they went in and you know as a, a a man that has serious mental problems, that you know that's probably a very he's already in the middle of a, a, a attack, panicked and he grabbed a um I God I'm trying to I believe. Um, his weapon of choice was a butter knife and these two trained officers in full riot gear shot him eight times and that was it they faced no consequences of that because they said that he posed an imminent threat to them <clears throat> instead of people in riot gear showing up for these cases we have <clears throat> professionals that are like healthcare professionals that are like per like that that will be on that like you know kind of like on the clock always prepared to go out and respond to these type of situations to de-escalate and not escalate these situations even further and that's what that looks like because we now give them the funding to serve that purpose and we get the cops back to doing what the cops are supposed to be doing sure. in, in theory which is protecting us from external threats and stuff like that and and that's the thing is first of all i think we need to cut I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, play devil's advocate here. You know, we need to cut officers slack. They're not trained to deal with those kinds oh, of yeah. things, and it's horrible and it's sad and it shouldn't happen. But cops are trained to deal with, with drugs and and people speeding and people who have guns illegally and people who are beating uh, other people or whatever. You know, people who are violent or you know whatever the case might be. They're not trained for mental health problems. And what we're seeing now is that there are a lot more times that the police are being called that they shouldn't be, which asks the question of why are these police responsibilities? Which is why we're saying defund the police. I want to tell you a story. I went to a, a, a BLM protest in Charlotte uh, in early June, and um, we're walking around... Uh, South Trade Street and um, the police Charlotte Mecklenburg police had trapped us into a block of the street and they began shooting us with pepper bullets and um, tear gas and there were police at every spot of the street so if we chose to disperse there was no real way to disperse uh, the reason I say all of this is because Charlotte Mecklenburg police conducted a couple thousand dollar assault on peaceful protesters the same week that doctors 
at Pineville Matthews Hospital, about 15 miles out of the city, probably a little less actually, we're talking about not having enough personal protective equipment. So the question is, why are our police prepared to go into a war zone against their own citizens, and our doctors are not prepared to go against a virus? Why are our teachers having to buy their own supplies? Why are our students dealing with textbooks that, are, that don't have Barack Obama in them, much less Trump? Why, why are we dealing with these problems? What, what are our priorities? That's what I think it's about the American government in, the next, in this next phase is what are our priorities? Are our priorities the military where we spend two times over the next five countries behind us? Or are we willing to cut that budget by 20%? A, huge, a pretty big number which would still put us leaps and bounds ahead of the next country behind us, just FYI. But are we willing to significantly cut that budget and put that money towards healthcare, saying that you can live in America and that's a right. You have a right to live in America. Are we going to And not just like live in America, like be alive, be alive. Be, yeah, literally be alive in America. Are we willing to say, you have a right to property, so we're gonna make housing affordable. And we're not only gonna make affordable housing affordable, we're going to make affordable housing comfortable, and we're not gonna make it crappy. We're gonna make it an actual spot where you can live and learn, not a spot that is, that is, that is, that is cyclical for crime. We're going to invest in rehabilitation so that we can take all these thousands and thousands and millions of people who are committing misdemeanors and nonviolent drug offenses and rehabilitate them and bring them back to society because, dude, who knows? We talked about anxiety on the last episode I was on. Who knows where I would be if I didn't meet the people that I've met? Who knows where you would be? Who knows where anybody would be if we didn't have the support system around us? Not everyone has that. Not everyone has parents who love them. Not everyone has friends who care about them. Not everyone has a, a, a community that invests in them. Yeah. Not everybody has that. And so it's a lot easier to not really see any value in your community when it doesn't see any value in you. And, you know, that kind of goes on to, like, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's like that um, cork board with, like, all the red string. It's, you know, because you look at one issue, the, you know, the first issue that's presented to us as a society is Black Lives Matter. Well, okay, if we agree on that, how do we go about fixing that? Well, got to fix drugs. We've already talked about that. Taking steps towards that. What's another thing? we got to fix our, our incarcerations our prison system and that kind of you know you can't really solve one portion without kind of solving another portion of society and, and that kind of goes into our how our prison system is a very you know very kind of cyclical for that crime you know like it, it does not rehabilitate it shoves you out the other side and much more disenfranchised and and, and far more you know um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just disadvantage. You know, disadvantage, and even more, you know, critical of the system and government that put you in that position in the first place. And so, it's quiet, but there's, you know, and it's kind of sad that it took this long to realize it. But there's been civil unrest, you know kind of quietly brimming at the edges of our, you know, just at the edges of our vision for a long, long time, you know, and it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of depressing and it's tough to think about it like that, but that doesn't come without it, you know, positive, as we said, we're, we're, we are moving forward and, you know. Racism's never gone away. No. And the flag that flies and the, the Statue of Liberty, you know, in, in New York, and, and all these things that make us think of American freedom. I just ask, if you're a white male listening to this, um, like I am, next time you think about things that, that make you think about how much you love this country, because um, I love, I love this country. I, I have friends who are like, if Trump wins, I, I, I couldn't, I'd move away. I couldn't do that. I, I have to fix it. I love this country. It deserves, it deserves protection. It deserves us getting back to what matters and our, our real American, real American values of togetherness and caring about one another, despite, um, Despite skin color, despite religion, despite all sexual orientation, it's about it's about the person letting you in in traffic. You don't know who that person is. You don't know who they voted for. You don't know who they love. You don't know who they pray to, or if they pray to anyone. But that person let you in in traffic. That person helped you get the the top the thing off the top shelf at Walmart. That person, you know gave you a tip while you were working, gave you a good tip while you were working as a waiter or waitress. But back to my point, if you're, if you're, a, white, if you're a white American, you love this flag, you love, and you're thinking about the things that, that make you love this, this country, think about how we can use our privilege to make it better. How can I use my privilege to help those around me who don't have that privilege? How can I lift up Latinx people and African Americans and women and LGBTQ people and transgender people with our T and LGBT? <laughs> but but how can I specific shout out? Specific shout out. But how can I how can I build up people around me who don't have a voice? How can I propel them to have a voice? Um because we love. We live in a country that has a, a a checkered and ugly history, but there's always been one thing. Um, w. E. B. Du Bois said this. He said, "America is not beautiful because it is special. It's beautiful because every time it seems to be at its lowest point." They build it back together again, together, and and that's it. it it's about it, there's always been racists ever since the clan. Ever since the the um, the Civil War ended, there's been the Klan. There's been Jim Crow. There's been there's always been racists. Trump just empowered them. 
But now it's our job, Republicans, Democrats, independents, to build each other up in a community that values all voices equally. And I think that puts a good bow on, on, on Black Lives Matter. It, 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 I mean, it really does. And, you know, kind of, it just. Kinda... The work doesn't end with Biden. No, at, at, getting at... elected either. It doesn't work, it doesn't end with Biden getting elected either. No, no, this is, this is, and and this was a tough pill for me to swallow as well, especially I was, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not afraid to say I was a bit, I was a Bernie bro. I was big into Bernie, you know, I, 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 he was the guy, I voted for him in the primaries, um, and I was very disheartened, I will admit it, when, when Joe Biden was announced the, the, you know, the candidate the Democratic Party was moving forward with, um, you know, obviously I, there, there are reasons that, you know, Bernie Sanders could not have pulled off, you know, he didn't pull off enough votes, you know, and I, I understand those, but it, there were, there were moments where I was upset because as a progressive, I see that we can take, like, let's say three steps forward, whereas moderates and centrists, they're very okay with just taking one step forward, and in my head at the time, my mindset was, well, why take one step forward when we're when we can take three, when I know we can get to that point, and that just frustrated me. But now I understand that it's a, it's a slow progress. It is, it's a slow trek because these are, in, unfortunately, they, these are ingrained ideals. These are, are very ingrained beliefs that, that mm-hmm. people have had for, they're passed down through generations of, of people, and it's tough to break that. As tough as it is for me to, to change certain opinions I have, it's as hard for, you know, obviously I'm not, extra, I'm not trying to defend racists but it's you know people that have raised and grew up in this belief that black americans don't deserve as much or you know you have to treat black americans different than white americans that there's a product of or that, that they're a threat or that even i think that that is the biggest one is that is that the crime crime is black america versus black america is the most affected by crime you're saying that black america is crime that is what I think is a common, because people aren't like, I'm racist. There aren't a lot of people who are like, I'm racist. It's like, it's like they lock their car door. You, like you said, lock your car doors, lock your car doors when you walk past, you know, oh, I'm leaving now. I'm going to make, I make sure I lock my car doors because I see someone with a dark. Or, you know, you, you, you roll your sleeves down to hide your watch or something, you know, like, and these are, these are people, things that people I know have done in front of me. Yeah. Doing and, things like that. And, and it's always jarring, but it's, you know, I think it's. It's not one of those things that you can just be like, well, that sucks, and not think about it. Because oftentimes that's what people want to do with uncomfortable situations. But especially on, on, on issues of human rights, that it, you have to look at it in its stupid, and... ugly face and be like, you have to confront it. Because that's how we got to this point. People not addressing it. People being willing to just stand by and be like, well, it doesn't affect me. So I don't have to look at it and my life can continue on, which is exactly. a very, very narrow minded like way of existing because and to me, it takes a lot of what's kind of like worth living, you know, like, like out of the equation, you know, when it's like yeah. if you're solely focused on like, well, it doesn't bother me so I can keep existing. Exactly. Then it's like, what a shallow kind of husk of an existence you, you must lead if, if your world only ex- like it, it, it's limited to you if you you know the moment i think you can start spreading spreading that your world out and, and as it absorbs that, that kind of you know that the perimeter expands and absorbs more people into that kind of that that space around you 
you start to understand because you offer you know not only you get new perspectives you know you, you form relationships mm-hmm. and that's what I think that is a very incredible thing about how Black Lives Matter has you know has you know affected kind of people you know it's that that a good amount of people have been able to look beyond that you know and be like take that recognize their privilege and then use it in a constructive way yeah. you know and so it, you know, back to that compassion it's like you know just because it doesn't affect you back to the house analogy just because your house you know they're not thinking about your house right now does not mean they don't care you know the ideal kind of society we're looking for is that everyone is afforded the same love and the same you know the same you know kind of you know not uh, with what's the word grace the same amount of grace that that you know is that is just earned to them by the fact that they exist and i you know i i get that you know there if there are probably people that are that were like me that was I would say, you know, for lack of a better term, radicalized by by these events, and you you know you want to go tear something down, you want to go, you want to you want to go, you know, ah, you know, go like that. <laughs> that is, you know, while that is, you know, a way of, a way of going out, you know, doing things. Don't focus on your anger as much. You know, take take what you have and and use it productively to to you know, kind of push us forward, um, and so kind of kind of moving beyond. Um, Beyond any of that, you know, you said you, you, what, your statements were, were, you know, good. You, you tied, you tied a real nice bow in that conversation, um, that, or at least that tangent of this conversation. Sure. But yeah, do you have any, any last thoughts or? Oh yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it goes back to. Um, I, I had a thought that I was, I was going to go with. I thought that you might move the conversation, so I think I forgot it. Um, but you mentioned the the fact that. Just, just this idea that there's some sort of uh, problem with people asking for equal treatment and for equal protections and things, and and we can only see things through our own prism, right? Um, you know, I, I could never see things through the prism of somebody who grew up on a farm in Kansas and the issues that they align with. I could never um, understand those problems, you know, but but what's important is, is listening and being able to, to communicate about problems. The big thing that I was going to say, and I, I remember it now, is is that you mentioned change in, in the fact that you're a Bernie bro. I mean, for those for those that wanted Bernie, um, I'll put your mind a little more at ease and say that looking back, I think Bernie may have done more harm than good. And here's why I think so. I think that what may have ended up happening is Bernie very well could have beaten Trump. Uh, he's a much better debater than Trump. Um, Trump is not at all intelligent and Joe Biden forgets his things he's saying. He's you know got the stutter and all that stuff. Bernie doesn't have any of those issues. He's also Jewish, which would get a nice, <laughs> nice block. Shout out Jews. Um, I'm Jewish, so but but throughout history, America is a country of incremental change. 
And when the, when the pendulum swings too far one direction, the pendulum inevitably swings the other direction. And what, so I'll give you an example. Um, 1928, lame duck president leads us right into the Great Depression. Then the country swings the other direction and votes for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, like four times, three times. And he goes the complete opposite direction and is actively steering the country out of this depression. Then who gets elected, and he's focused on all these humanitarian, all these social service causes. Who gets elected after him? Harry Truman, the guy who dropped the atomic bomb. Right. A guy that was very focused on military power rather than the people. So you see the pendulum swings back and forth. Right. This way, all the way over to FDR, all the way back over to Harry Truman. Um, and now we're looking at a time of possible stability. I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic mm -hmm. that Mitch McConnell will listen to Bill's that fingers crossed right that that we're going to be able to get some things done over the next four years that are going to be real change that isn't going to be things that that republicans are going to try to change mm -hmm. you know and i think that maybe we'll be in a country in four years that won't want to elect a Donald Trump, you know, maybe we'll be in a, in a situation where more people are like, hmm, I'm doing all right with Joe Biden, actually, you know, Joe Biden's actually a good president, you know, like we got out of this whole coronavirus thing, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and an issue, um, that I, I think that those that, are my final thoughts. Sorry. I, I'm not right. Yeah, of course. Um, an issue that I hope starts getting that incremental change a little bit quicker is climate change um, need it and i mean it i'll i'll say it is i i find it in, incredibly silly that this is a political issue as much as i find it silly that black lives matter is a political issue i i find it even more ludicrous that it's a political issue that we want to save our planet i mean i you, you look at the people that are against climate change those are people that they profit off of our environment getting warmer, our forests getting cut down, you know, the hole in our ozone layer continuing to, to get ripped, you know, even further apart, you know. So it's silly to me that that's even a problem because I think that we, at the end of the day, we, we are animals. Humans are just, we're a product of evolution, a product of this planet, you know, the, the different things that have happened in our history. And there are different, you know, and you, you, you kind of take it into a different, you know, slightly spiritual route. But if you look at the, uh, the, you know, the, um, you know, Native Americans, the indigenous people, you know, they were very, you know, in touch with, with nature and their place in that. And, and as we've developed and industrialized, we've definitely moved away from that. And again, going back to that kind of point about, oh, the almighty dollar, you know, we're, we're, we're working for that money, you know, damn, you know, be, you know. 
go the hell with anything else that stands in that way, especially the environment. Like, yeah, sure, cut down that portion of the forest to put in that parking lot. Sure, go ahead and continue burning fossil fuels. And, you know, one of those things that I did like about, you know, Bernie was that his environmental plans, his plans about trying to move forward. And, you know, I'm one of the probably few people of our age demographic that has actually read the entirety of the New Green Deal, you know? It, so there are things that I definitely think can happen, and I think that moving forward, you know, with this mentality of, like, we are trying to be more united, we're trying to, you know, be more empathetic and compassionate about, about to each other, we also need to show some compassion to our planet, to our environment, because we, again, we're animals, and we are just as much a part of nature as anything else that exists out there, and it's important, because right now we're at this point, this tipping point of things can get much better if we start working towards it, or we, you know, we tip the other way and we continue to, you know, destroy our planet and it's, you know, goodbye humanity in however long it takes us, you know? Yeah, and, and the thing is, I mean, there's people who say, you know, there's science on both sides. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's a real concern, you know, whatever. Um, people are like, well, the, the climate normally changes. Well, yeah, but global temperatures are rising at the highest rate since records began. Uh, in fact, 17 of the 18 warmest years on record have taken place since 2001. I don't know if you know that. I did. Um, but, I mean, we're dealing with such a increasing level of, of carbon dioxide and industrialization that there are real climate experts that are saying that if we don't acknowledge this in the next 10 years, by 2030, we are going to do irrevocable damage to our planet. And people will say, well, America's not as big of a polluter as China. Eh, well, that, that, that might be true. Yeah, China is the biggest polluter, but China also is one of the largest investors in renewable energy. And it's been in response to the rapid growth of green business and the need to clean up air pollution in major cities because of the major smog and things going on. Right. And so what you're saying is China is actually looking more into renewable energy than we are. Furthermore, the Paris Climate Accord, let's, let's not even talk about the Green yeah. New Deal because we're miles away from the Green New Deal. Miles. But yeah. the Paris Climate Accord... The United States said that we would fund $2 billion, not a large amount of money when you consider that the U.S. economy is worth upwards of $20 trillion right now. Um, we said we would pay $2 billion for efforts to move towards climate change. We would also cut our emissions down to pre-industry, to pre-industrial revolution levels in order to try to combat the, this extreme amount of emissions that we're having from industrialization, from an increasing industrialization in this machine-driven world that we live in. The problem is that it all, well, it also wanted to invest money in green energy, not only in America, but across the world, in developing countries, so that developing countries could have solar and wind and things like that. The problem is that people don't understand that fracking jobs, coal jobs, all these jobs, they're not just going to vanish into thin air. There will be 
hundreds and thousands of green energy jobs that come from something like a Green New Deal um, or something that addresses the climate. We have a responsibility to care for the world, the earth that we inhabit. I hope that I don't have to wake up and, and walk through cities that are as smogged out as you see in, in Beijing or in, in um, uh, um, in, in other places. In other places. In other places. No. In China. But like, I don't remember what I was going to oh, Hong Kong. That's what Hong I was going to say. Hong Kong. I don't know how I couldn't remember. <laughs> Hong Kong. I don't want to wake up in a world and see these things happening in America, but it's going to. It's a very dangerous track that we're on. And it's because people, it's because we all have information to whatever facts support our case. There are people that are willing to make a website that's like climatechangeisn'treal.weebly.com. <laughs> and they've got their own research. And there's people that say climatechangeisreal.yolasite.com. When in reality, we should just be deferring to the world experts, the UN endowed organization on climate change, and say, we have a responsibility to move away from emissions, try to react, what is the word? Try to um, make up for these emissions that we have and move towards, because what a lot of people don't know is there's been a long, there's a long history of world organizations and um, carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. For a while there was something called the Kyoto Protocol, which was established in the early 2000s. And the Kyoto Protocol Set, uh, endowed each country to a certain amount of carbon emission credits. And it actually established a carbon, carbon trading system. I wish I could get into it. We don't have the time for but <laughs> But basically, if I'm America and I have three carbon emissions, let's say, just three. Yeah, there's only three. And China has three carbon emissions and China uses two of them, but America uses four. Well, China can trade me that one carbon emission and I can use that carbon emission and they won't use another and I have to give them something in return or whatever. So it established a carbon trading system and these are very real solutions that have already existed that can help, that are incremental, that are real, that are researched, that are scientifically backed, that would incrementally change the world in a way that we need to over the next decade that would leave us with a world that is not screaming for action. How many, we have to go into the Greek letters this year. That's how many hurricanes there's been. That's yeah. not normal. No, it's certainly not. Kind of, I guess, closing thoughts on this episode. It's, it's a recognition that, you know, we're in this together, you know, specifically looking at, you know, American politics, you know, and we saw evidence of that, a proof of that we were in this together, the high voter turnout, you know, that we all, we came together, we saw the change, we saw, you know, the results of that, of our efforts, our, the fruits of our labor, if you will, you know, and, and, that, and that was born of, of us 
working together. And that is the solution to a lot of the problems that are, that are plaguing us right now. You know, instead of looking at all our differences, we, we come together and should look for our commonality. And quarantine, you know, like I said, it's it, it kind of the, the, I guess, the thesis of this, the, all these podcasts is that something happened in quarantine that, that, that forced us to evolve in a sense. And our politics are, is a great indicator of, of looking at that change in ideology. We're seeing that in the policies that are being promoted. And I think that, you know, being apolitical is, you know, that's your right. But I think it is, I think there is value, serious value in being an informed citizen that that keeps track of, you know, the happenings of, of our country. And I think that for me, just to... Just to wrap up, I think that it's it's about never losing our passion for betterment of the country and of the world that we live in. And it's a focus on always finding something positive to look at and, and something that can bring us together. But it's also not about being naive, not in a naive way, not, no, it's about, it's about being genuinely connected beyond politics and focusing on the fact that we are all human beings and that we all just want to see the best for our family. We wanna see the best for our country. We wanna see the best for the people that, that we love. And, and we all have different perspectives, but it's important to listen to each other's perspective, but on the other hand, hold people accountable. And and my, my, my grandmother used to say this to me. She said, she said, boy, I see better than I hear. And that basically is just to say, I see your actions better than I hear your words. What you do, your actions speak louder than your words. And so your grandma said that. <laughs> and so for and so for all the all the viewers, you know, out there for for me, you know, wrapping up here, it's about staying focused on on finding common ground and on being willing to put ourselves in these positions where we're having uncomfortable conversations because that's the only way will truly be able to hear each other's perspective. So thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, what a, what a, what a great way to end, you know. Um thank again, you know. Thank you for for, you know, coming and, and sharing your your political knowledge. It's, you know, it's, it's almost stunning to me that you are not a poli sci major. Um vote for me for president 2060 20, uh, oh, spoiler something like alert that. something like that we'll, we'll 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 let you know we'll let you know but <laughs> thank you to everyone out there in the universe that is that is that's decided to to tune in to today's episode um as always I I I hope that you got something out of this you know we're all looking to to grow our perspectives um and and you know, reframe our worldviews. Um, I hope that your night is going well. 
exams are coming up for all the college students and stuff out there. And I'm, you know, we're feeling the pressure too. And just take a deep breath, look over your notes and stuff like that. You're just, you know, and vibe. Just vibe. Take a moment. Roll a blunt. Drink a eat beer. Eat a breakfast burrito. Eat a breakfast burrito. Just, you know, you're you're gonna do well. You're gonna do better than you you think. Just look over your. You notes. got it, kiddo. Just just look I over. Just you. look over your notes one more time. And then take a break. This is more for you than for the audience. I mean, I, I, it's true. It's, it's, it's a stressful time right now. But regardless of all that, I hope that you have you get a good night's rest, and that your your dreams are full of cotton candy and, and rainbows, and and that the dream catcher catches all the nightmares and puts them in the and puts them in puts them in timeout and says no bad dreams, that don't do that. And I hope that when you wake up. You, you see the sun shining and, and you think to yourself, gee whiz golly, sure, sure, sure is good to be alive. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and then you die. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs>